0: Well, welcome to week one of a series we're calling Arrows. And the idea comes from this little passage in the Bible, uh, in the book of Psalms, it's divided into 150 different divisions. And in the 127th division of Psalms, that 127th chapter, we, we get a Psalm that talks about, talks about arrows. And here's the way it looks. Now, when you think of the book of Psalms, there are several different authors. Like John wrote the book of John. Matthew wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. No, I'm kidding. He wrote the book of Matthew. Yeah, but, but Psalms is a collection of authors, a few, just a handful, mostly David, but even Moses wrote one of the Psalms, the sons of Asaph, a couple of worship leaders, and then Solomon, who the Bible says, God says himself that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And Solomon wrote the 127th Psalm. So if Solomon wrote the 127th Psalm and God himself, from his own lips, says, Solomon's like the smartest person ever, dude. He didn't quite say it like that. That's in the Message Bible, I think. But, but he, says, he says, Solomon's the smartest guy. You need to pay attention to him. Then I think we ought to pay attention. Let me, let me read it to you. It starts off like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain Who build it. So we as families, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, moms, dads, kids, we labor and we try and build stuff, but the truth is, unless the Lord builds it through us, we're we're building in vain. Goes on to say unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So even though we want our kids to be safe, even though we want to raise our kids in the right way, unless the Lord guards it, our guarding is not good enough. We have to have a divine partnership. Moving forward, behold, children are a heritage, a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, I mean, the fruit of the womb is a reward The fruit of the womb, it's it's a, it's a gift. And then here's where Solomon says it. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth, like arrows. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And then we get this last scripture and it says it like this. They shall not be ashamed, those kids, those arrows, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. In other words, as the Lord builds, as the Lord guards, as the Lord provides, and we lean on that, not on our own understanding, then we're able to see if they go where we've aimed, that even their enemies they're able to have conversations with. Lord have mercy. Open up Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and like... It's hard to have a conversation with anybody with a different view these days. And the kind of children, the kind of adults we're raising, they're able to even deal with their own enemies and speak with them. That's the kind of, of families we're, we're raising. Now, you may not have kids. Someday want them. Or maybe you're in the middle of raising little ones or you got teenagers or you're empty nester. Maybe you're a grandparent of some. Or maybe you're just an aunt or an uncle. Or maybe you just say, Lord, I'm never going to have kids. Whatever. I want, maybe you are a kid yourself here. I want you to know that the word of God is applied differently at different stages of our life. Different seasons. There's an application. So maybe you are a teenager yourself. There's importance here. Because someday you will probably be a mom or a dad. And parents, maybe you say, oh, I wish... I would have heard some of this stuff a while back. That's okay. Today is a new day. You, you are able to start over right now. As little time you have left or a lot of time or maybe you haven't had kids yet or you want kids, you aren't able to have kids. This is still applicable to all of us. And what I want to jump in today in this whole series is I want to give us a keystone habit. That that really is so critical for us. And what's, what's a keystone habit? A keystone habit is if you set that habit up, you're more likely to accomplish other habits. For example, a keystone habit of getting up in the morning and having a plan for your first 60 minutes of your day, that is a keystone habit that gives you a 90 plus percent better chance at accomplishing what you need to set out to accomplish in a day if you just implement that one Plan, get up early, and have a plan ready for the day. That one keystone habit helps your other habits. So the keystone habit I really want to invite you to, to learn over this series is this. Live towards the target. Would you say it with me? Live towards the target. Now, in order to live towards the target, you got to know, like, you know, the target. What is the, what is the target? Well, I'm going to give you an acrostic for arrow this five weeks, and I'm only going to give you one at a time because you're going to have to come back to get the next one. And so today, amen, bless God. So today, so here's what I'm saying to you. It's important enough that you make a change in your schedule to either be here or listen to the podcast, to get the Timber Creek Church app and listen and and consume this. It's not because I, I want to feel good about you listening. It's because I believe that these are going to be some strong Biblical principles and habits that, that you're going to be able to live with less regrets and more courage and boldness. You're just going to be able to do it whether you're a teenager or your parent, a grandparent, you name it, just if you're breathing, these are good habits that you can take in. So the first, the A in arrow is aim. We're going to talk about aim today. And the question we're answering is, what is the aim of the archer? So all kinds of metaphors in the Bible, the, the Lord is like a lion, like a rose, like a lamb, uh, a servant. Um, uh, the Proverbs say, consider the ant, you sluggard. But well, why would you consider an ant? Because like even when it doesn't need food, it's gathering food, so it's prepared. And you need to be like prepared and not expect someone else to gather your food. You need to gather your food like consider the ant. Well, we see this arrow metaphor. And so if kids are the arrows, parents are the archer, the home, and life is the archery range. And so in those metaphorical concepts, I want to give you some fundamentals for the archer today. Some fundamentals for the person who holds the bow and like an arrow is aimed, we aim our kids. Take your notes. We've just got six fundamentals today. We're going to run through those. The first one is this. Number one, arrows are a blessing Not a burden. Psalm 127 said, happy is the man. And when you read it in the Greek, it actually says, happy, happy. Happy, happy. It's like, you know, duck dynasty. Happy, happy, happy. Just duck dynasty right there. It's in the Bible. (laughs) Happy is the man whose quiver is full of kids. Children are a blessing, but here's the deal. Sometimes they don't feel like a blessing. (laughs) They're a blessing, but sometimes they feel like a burden. Now, it used to be when Janet and I were younger, we could just, like, you know, go out. Eight o'clock at night, you want to go to IHOP? Let's go to IHOP. We get in the car, we go to IHOP. Man, we're raising kids, that changes. One of the funniest things uh, a young couple can say that doesn't have kids to, to, to parents that do have kids is, like, oh, we're just so busy. We're just so tired. And the parents that have kids are like, <laughs> Idiot. It's like we used to be able to, like, go out. We could go to Houston, spend the night, drive to Dallas, have a blast. Now it's like, you know... Getting a babysitter, it's like an act of Congress. And you got you to gotta make sure that the babysitter has gone through Ancestry.com and you got the DNA response. Like, I mean, it's just so detailed. And, and when, when they're younger kids, it's like time to go to bed. Your kids hear, time to chop off your head. That's how they respond. Because like just trying to put them to bed, they're running around. They're going to chop off my head. <laughs> Bath time becomes like a battlefield. You're just trying to bathe the kid, and now you got some naked human running around, writing on the walls. And you're just trying to give them a bath. It used to be that we were the ones running around naked at night. Now they're the ones running around naked at night. And then when you wanna run around naked, you wanna run around naked? No, I've been chasing these kids all day. I don't have time, I got a headache, I don't wanna run around naked. We, we clap for, for salvations and for borderline off-color humor. So that's, that's the way we roll at Timber Creek. Blessings can feel like burdens. And I, I just, just got to tell you, you got to be cautious because if you view it as a burden, you'll miss the blessing. Like changing that, like this is a pooping machine. And you're changing diaper after diaper, and you're like, Lord, have mercy, why are diapers cost like $7,400 these days? <laughs> and you're, you're changing diapers, and you're scraping off crayon off the wall, and if you're not careful, you'll miss the blessing because of the burden. And these kids just won't give me a second, and, but you're going to come a day where, where they're not going to sit on that counter anymore and let you brush their teeth when they sing the ABCs, and you're going to wish... That you would have just paid a little more attention when they were writing on the walls. Because I got a 15-year-old and next week a 10-year-old. And like the time has flown. The reason why the blessing can feel like a burden is both have a weight to them. Both have a responsibility to them. And you know the Bible is full of these metaphors and God gives an example of who he is to us through the metaphor of a father, God the father. And our children see, that's the burden of it, is our children see God through us. He's designed it that way. And he also shows us a metaphor, Jesus gives it to us in the book of Matthew. He says, like, like a mother hen who gathers her chicks and protects, that's how God is. So he shows us the, the father, he shows us the protective mother. God shows us those things. And so the beauty of it, the promise of it, the pleasure of it is huge. But it also can be painful if we, if we misuse or abuse these moments that we have. And our kids will get a picture of God, an accurate picture of God because of us, or an accurate picture of God in spite of us, because he will show himself. And our aim as the archer is to show our kids who God is and to see the blessing beyond the burden. Look what Paul says in Second Corinthians. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. See, all we can see is what we see. And he says, you got to look past what you see and you got to see what you can't see. That's what we call in the Christian world faith you got to have faith in parenting. Parenting without faith, all you see is problems. But when you parent with a sense of faith that God's going to do something and I can trust him through the muck and the mire, then we see, whoa, there is impact here with our parenting. But we got to see what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, what God sees that you can't see is more real than what you see. That's crazy. You, you, you've got to see what you can't See the Cheerios in the carpet and the painting on the wall. It's going to be gone, and you got to see what God is doing. Number two, different arrows, one target. There are hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of arrows. Now I'm not a hunter. I'm I, I'm not an archer by trade. In fact, I've never I've never. Except for this morning, at 8.50 in the morning, I've never shot an arrow until this morning. And so, to show you just how good I've gotten already, I'm not only using a female version of the bow. They're like, that's all you can handle, buddy. But there's one target, but there's different kinds of arrows. Our kids are so unique. Man, I wish you were more like your sister. Nah. You're, you're supposed to be you. Your sister's supposed to be her. You are supposed to be you. Now, I'm supposed to like pull it back like this, but I didn't practice that way. So, oh, a little low. First service, first arrow, hit a bullseye. And I, drop, I just dropped the arrow. I said, let's all just pray right now. The Holy Spirit <laughs> is in the room. You got all kinds of arrows, different, different tar- one target, all kinds of arrows. You got shy arrows and you got loud arrows. You got honor roll arrows and you got arrows like me, <laughs> not honor roll. <laughs> Closer. You, you have arrows that uh, they don't meet a stranger and they just light up a room with their enthusiasm, and then you have shy arrows. You have. Tomboy arrows. Uh oh! Thank you, Lord. You got tomboy arrows. You got princess unicorn arrows. You've got arrows that are just like dad. You got arrows that are just like mom. You got arrows like uh, Isaac had, Jacob and Esau, twins. And Jacob loved to cook, Esau was a hunter. Different arrows, one target. So what I'm concerned about, you know what, I'm feeling so good about this. Hey, Jonathan, help me out with something. Um, I'm feeling good enough. I hit that bullseye. Jump, jump over there, take this. There you go. Yeah, sit, sit, get, get down. So now I got a special arrow for this one. Jonathan is one of our executive pastors one of our executive pastors. We had a little bit of a falling out rate recently. <laughs> How am I going to shoot it off your head if you can't even balance it? Yeah. Just you you just just sit there and look good. Do you think for a second? I mean, look, somebody said there's no such thing as bad news. Yes, there is. When you kill, when you put an arrow through the throat of one of your pastors on a Sunday morning, that's bad press. That's bad. Thank you, Jonathan. Keep the apple, my friend. Keep the apple. There are all kinds of different arrows. Stop trying to... This arrow, well, this arrow never gave me any trouble, and this arrow, oh, man, we just can't like it. My daughter, Sage, when she was born, she, she, she came out of the, the womb, cesarean eyes wide open, cried like this, <laughs> and then was just smiling. Slept 12 hours a night, not a problem, it was nuts how good she was. Graham, cesarean, born, wouldn't shut up for three hours. The doctors were laughing in the delivery we room, like, we've never heard a kid cry like this. Like, and he still hasn't shut up since. He talks in his sleep, this guy. He just like, (laughs) different arrows, same target. So the way I might look at that arrow is a little differently, but I'm still aiming them to one target. What what happens is when we're trying to aim our family at all kinds of different targets, what kind of confusion does that cause? What kind of ineffectiveness does that cause? He wasn't an archer. He was a rifleist or a rifler, I guess, in the Olympics. Matt Emmons, one of the m- most uh, medaled rifle competitors in the Olympics, 2004, he was getting ready to, to, to clinch the gold medal. And on a fluke accident, he focused on the wrong tar- target, hit a, just hit it square dead in the middle, bullseye, but he hit the wrong target. He Crossfired. and this is a picture of him aiming, and just seconds after he shot that, he, he aimed and shot, this is his next reaction, what? Because he hit the wrong target, and he lost the gold medal because of it, and I wonder how many of us sometimes this is how we look when we're parenting. I know I've been there. I thought, I thought that that was, like, important. Maybe it's not like, Whoa. He hit a bullseye, he just hit the wrong target. So it doesn't matter if you hit the bullseye or not. It matters if you hit the bullseye on the right target. So what is the bullseye of a godly home? What is that, what is that square, that dead center bullseye? There are a whole lot of bullseyes the world will give you. But I would say that these are more like the circles around the bullseye. One simple circle around the bullseye is Survival. And this is the circle that things like you just gotta keep help help your kids keep everything on an even keel. Like don't die today. Like you know, feed yourself, clothe yourself, brush your teeth when you can, and and just like stay alive. That is that is not the bullseye. That is a circle in the bullseye a circle around it, but it's not the bullseye. Independence. But we're going to teach our kids to make good decisions and be independent thinkers. And so we teach our children to be self-sufficient. No, you need to make your bed. No, you need to make your meals. No, you need to someday I'm not going to be here to clean up after your mess. You're going to have to do that. And that's a circle around the bullseye, but it's not the bullseye. Competence. Helping our children be capable in this world. To have capacity to be good deciders which takes us to another circle that's not the bullseye, but it's a circle, and that is problem-solving. We want our kids to be able to solve problems, to give, not just identify problems, but solve it. Dad, I'm out of V-Bucks. And for those of you that have kids that play Fortnite, you know what I'm talking about. I'm out of V-Bucks. Can you give me like $4.99 to buy a hatchet on Fortnite? What in the world are we even talking about these days? Oh, God, Come quickly. But we want our kids to be good problem solvers and address problems as they arise. Yes, that's important, but it's not the bullseye. It is on the target, but it's not the bullseye. Morality, okay, well, we're getting closer maybe, aren't we? I would say that's close. We want to have a moral compass of what's right and what's wrong. As a Christ follower, you don't get to opt out. You don't get to to go golden corral on your morality. You don't get to choose this and not choose that. It's not a smorgasbord, it's, it's provided, it's presented to you by the bread of life, it's the word of God. That's where we get the moral compass of our lives. And although that is a circle, it's, 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 it's not just, it's not the only thing on the target. Huge piece of the target, but it's not the bullseye. Character growth. Like you want our kids to grow up characters like a, see the image of a piece of granite that's chipped away. Every little decision and every big decision we make chips away at the square of granite and what is left is the image of who we have become. We are the sum results, we are the sum total of the little and big decisions we make and it carves away who we are. That's why little decisions are big decisions in disguise because if you can't make little decisions, it's going to be hard for you to make big decisions. But what's the bullseye? In the middle of all all these things are important. But the truth is the bullseye is Jesus at the center. His conduct, his character, his convictions. A relationship with Jesus and a home centered around Jesus. Not a compartment over here that's like, well, what would Jesus do? And we give that the same weight as we would, well, what would Oprah do? Or just kind of what feels right to me or what's convenient that I would do, we get our cue from Jesus being the center, the heartbeat, the core of everything in our family. Now, notice I didn't put, notice that I did not put the problem-solving morality in the middle because there's a lot of parents that focus on behavior in the middle Behavior modification, you're not going to go here. You're not going to do that. You're always going to do this. You will say, yes, sir, and, yes, ma'am, which I think are perfect. I think those are perfectly normal, perfectly fine. But you can have a lot of kids that know behavior modification, but if they never have the epicenter of their hearts be in relationship with Jesus, what we have swapped out is a relationship with Jesus for religious do's and don'ts. And nobody stays long-term in a marriage just because of do's and don'ts. They stay long-term in a marriage and they stay long-term in a relationship because, because it's valuable to them. Jesus shows us this epicenter, this bullseye in Matthew 6. He says, but seek what? First, before anything else. This is the bullseye. This is the middle of the target. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus, seek Jesus first. And all the other circles, all the other things on the target, those will be added if you put Jesus in the center You have then put them at a best chance of character growth, best chance at problem solving, best chance at morality, best chance at survival when Jesus is the center. This has been a huge issue for humanity since the beginning of time all the way back to the garden. And as we see the story of God unfold, we even see the nation of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. And they're about ready to go into the promised land. And the second in command to Moses, Joshua, he becomes now the leader of the nation. And he's reminding them, look, 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 look. You've, you've picked up a lot of bad habits. And when we get over here, we got to keep the main thing the bullseye. we got to keep the right thing at the center of the target. In Joshua 24, he says it like this He says, Now, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Now, I want, I want, I want everybody to hear me on this. Every one of us are choosing every day who we will serve. You, you, you are choosing, it is an involuntary deal. You're choosing what or who you're serving. If you've not thought about it, I would suggest that the same way that an archer can't just like not think about hitting the bullseye. The archer has to have a focus. And if you've not thought about that focus, I would envision that you're going to miss the target. So he says if serving the Lord seems undesirable, hey, do something because you're going to serve. You're going to choose this day who you're going to serve. It's going to be self, it's going to be political, uh, political stuff, it's going to be what feels right in the moment, it's going to be my own needs and my own desires, it's going to be something, choose who you will serve. And Joshua finishes by saying, as for me and my household, here's what we're going to do. And he fills in this blank, and everybody in the room, and everybody you know, we live life, we parent, we live, you, you name it, we, we live life filling in this blank, as for me in my household, we will make the grades. Nothing's more important than the grades. Nothing's more important. Because if you don't make the grades, then you don't pass the test. If you don't pass the test, you fail at school. If you fail at school, you won't get into the right school. If you're going into the right school, you won't get the right job. If you don't get the right job, then you won't make the right kind of money. If you don't make the right kind of money, you're going to be living with us again and that can't happen. So, you need to make the grades. As for me and my house, we will take over the family business and nothing's more important. I know you have dreams. I know you want to do what you want to do. But I didn't build up this company for you to just kind of go and chase your dream of doing that. I need you to take over this family business. Don't you care about what I've built? As for me and my house, we will play soccer. We'll play soccer. Now, it's easier for me to put play soccer on there because my kids don't play soccer. But if you put basketball and you put baseball and you put choir and you put new image and you put all the other stuff in there, then, like, those, that stuff consumes our calendar. And before you get the thought in your head that I'm the kind of pastor that would kind of, like, uh, uh, look down at, at parents that, like, are out of church on Sunday because they're playing ball, I know that. I know what that feels like. We got kids that are athletes that love to play ball and even now in this season of life, we're having to navigate how much is too much. Because for us, as for me and my house, this is most important. Not because I'm the pastor but because I'm aiming my kids. This is most important. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. Like I'll show you why this is important. And it can't be replaced with YouTube. It can't be replaced with just hanging out. Like there's something powerful about gathering together. Doesn't it sound silly too? Like on your deathbed, oh, at least we just played all those soccer games. Hopefully it's at least the memories behind the soccer games and not just the soccer game in and of itself. As for me and my house, we will attend that college because that's what it's all about if you don't get into that college. As for me and my house, we will not be like them. Can I tell you not is Not enough. Just not being like them, like your dad or your mom or your relatives or that neighbor down the street, just not being like them is not a good enough target. (laughs) Because that doesn't give you the motivation to really go where you need to go. It just says, I don't want to look like that, but it doesn't give you a picture of what you want to look like. So as for me and my house, what are you going to do? How are you going to fill in the blank? What are you going to say? And Joshua says, as for me and my household, a lot of things we could choose, but we're going to serve the Lord. That's going to be the most important. Listen. Mommy and daddy have staked our life on this. I know there's a lot of fun things. I know all your friends get to go do that. I know, I know that you want to go jet skiing with the Wilsons today. It's awesome weather and it's going to get colder. I want to go jet, jet skiing with the Wilsons. I know, son. I know the Wilsons have awesome jet skis. I wish we had jet skis. But we don't have jet skis. And I know it's fun to go out on the lake and ride jet skis. And you know what? You can do that every once in a while. But today, eat your Cheerios, get in the car, we're going to church. Like, like, that's just like, this. we've staked our life on this. It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number three, arrows can go where the archer cannot. Now get this, because this is going to liberate some people. Our, arrows can go further, faster. Arrows can go over walls that stopped the archer. See, many parents are intimidated by the walls they couldn't scale. So they avoid the walls and they don't talk about those walls with their kids. But arrows can go where you couldn't. Arrows have the ability to accomplish what you couldn't accomplish. If aimed in the right direction, if released, there's no telling what they can do. Think about think about the mom who just packed a lunch of some tilapia and a couple slices of bread. Put it in the little sack, said, don't be late for school, Keith. And Keith grabs that little sack. Keith gets on his little bicycle. He's going to elementary school. But he sees, me as he's going to this elementary school, he sees this huge crowd, like, climb, like getting out of the city on this hillside. He's like, what is going on? And like a little kid just like... I, I, I just got to follow the crowd. So he just, he like, he goes up the hillside and there's this man named Jesus and he's preaching and everybody's hungry and he's just standing. He puts this little kickstand down, puts his bike, he walks in. He's like, what's going on? All of a sudden, the disciple comes in and says, what you got in the bag? He says, oh, it's like my lunch. He says, man, we're all hungry. He says, well, you can have it. He says, well, come here, I want to show you Jesus. And he goes to Jesus, you can have my lunch, Jesus, if you're hungry. And Jesus takes that and and What kind of blessing was it not only for that boy to share his meal, but a mama who packed that lunch changed some people's viewpoint of life because the arrows can go further than the archer. Number four, they don't know what you don't tell them yet. (laughs) Yet. Now they're going to find out. Trust me. And they're going to find out faster than you realize. They don't know what you don't tell them yet. So you have to be the, the tip of the spear when it comes to informing your kids on the stuff of life. Things that are uncomfortable. Things that are comfortable. Stuff that, that like you would think they would get that they need to be taught. You've got to lead the way. If you, they, they won't know what you don't show them yet. So why not be the leader of that? Look what the book of Proverbs says in chapter 20. Gold there is and rubies in abundance. In other words, there's treasure to be found. You can find all sorts of treasure. You can make money in a lot of different ways. Okay? But look what it goes on to say. But lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Parents, listen to me. Grandparents, aunts, uncles. Your lips that speak knowledge are jewels in the hands of the next generation. You gotta speak it. If we abdicate the important information, if we hold back because we're afraid, if we hold back because of regret, they will learn about sex in the locker room and online. The best place to learn. From the lips of knowledge of mom or dad and both. But we're afraid. I mean, that's intimidating. And many people are afraid of this right here. I don't want to tell my kids too much too soon. I don't want to, like, get them all thinking about stuff way too too soon in life. Trust me. Everybody listen. Too much too soon is not the issue. The issue is too little too late. Too much too soon is gone. That's Done. When you can get to 40-some billion pages of information on the phone that's in your pocket, we run the risk of too little, too late rather than the risk of too much, too soon. And someday our kids are like, "Why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you talk to me about these things?" I was afraid. I didn't want to. I had regrets, and I felt like I couldn't talk to you about it because I made mistakes. You know why a lot of parents don't talk about sex with their kids? is because they didn't have the perfect track record. And so they feel like they don't have a, a, a leg to stand on. They feel like their, their platform is a little shaky, and they can't really talk about it. Can I, give you, can I give you something that's very important for you to know today? And it's this. Failure and repentance are powerful microphones. You doing it the wrong way and admitting that and repenting of it are powerful microphones. In first service, one of our pastors was sitting over here. And when I gave this statement, a woman who couldn't help herself said out loud, oh, my God, I've been waiting my whole life to hear that. And maybe you have been waiting too and you've been too little too late or you've not, you felt like, ooh, too much too soon because you've failed at something. Finances, how can I talk to my kids about finances? We had to declare bankruptcy. How I talk to my kids about sex? I mean, we were, it was <laughs> whatever. It was cray-cray in high school. <laughs> like the time to talk about it is now and failure and repentance. Daddy didn't do what I should have done. And you know what? I had to ask Jesus to forgive me. But that, what that does is gives me a, a platform, son, daughter, to share with you that I want you to make better decisions than I made. And I want you to be informed because you know what? Knowledge is like jewels in your hand, buddy. Knowledge is like jewels in your hand, sweetheart. They won't know what you don't show them. They won't know what what you don't tell them yet. But there is coming a time they'll know. And I don't want them to learn. I don't want my kids to learn from the wrong source. I want them to learn from me. Even though I've got my own failure and repentance I've had to to offer up to the Lord. Number five, stance. Stance. Matters. When I when I when I get ready to, to aim at the target, I'm not a, anywhere near like like I said, I just shot the arrow for the first time this morning. But I know that stance matters. The way I position myself and where you plant your feet, mom and dad, on issues, on decisions, on the weekends, on the weekdays, in the morning and at night, where you plant your feet, your stance. Matters. Psalm 92, the righteous, and remember we just read, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things on the target will be added to you. Well, those that are righteous, as they're seeking the kingdom of God first, they will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Goes on to say, if they're planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. I want to lead my family, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I want my kids to love the local church. As a pastor, it's even harder because my kids are probably up here a lot more than usual. And as a pastor's kid myself, there were times where I kind of uh, didn't like the church because of how much time it took of my parents. So we have this opportunity as, as a mom and dad Who both work outside the home to also raise our kids loving the local church. Just loving the local plant. We want them to have a caffeinated commitment to the local. It's why we have cafe aroma, a caffeinated commitment to the local church. Psalmist David knew this. In Psalm 23, he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about heaven. But in four chapters later, Psalm 27, he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, not just on the other side of eternity, but I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. There's something powerful about gathering together like this on the weekend. There just is. The psalmist goes on to say, for in the day of trouble... How many of you ever had a day of trouble? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% of you. Those that didn't raise your hand in denial or just wait, just wait. <laughs> For in the day of trouble, he'll keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Now, this isn't just talking about in the house of God, although that's critical. It's my stance matters when I wake up in the morning. Oh, dear God, it's morning. That's a stance. Or, oh, dear God, thank you for this morning. The stance matters. Blessing or a burden, stance matters. Finally, number six, arrows are weapons. And this is war. This is not just a game, he, notice he doesn't use the metaphor that, that arrows are a shield, arrows are on the offense. And I know, I don't know about you, but for me, I've been guilty of saying this before, and it's just truth, it's like a uh, man raising kids in today's day and age. Where it seems like there's no up, there's no down. What is truth? Everything's relative. They're hearing all kinds of guidance from all kinds of different people. That is all kinds of cray-cray. Anybody been there, parents? Like raising up kids in this generation is is a little scary. But he doesn't say the wisest man who ever lived... Your, your, your kids are like a defensive weapon where you ought to shelter and hide and just keep safe and, and, and you ought to just kind of hunker down and just pray. He shows that there's a power in, in not keeping kids out of the culture, keeping them away from everyday life and everyday conversations and knowledge. Not, not just protecting them, but <laughs> Launching them because this culture needs some good arrows. We ought not to be cowering away and letting the darkness advance. We ought to be piercing the darkness with our arrows. I conclude with this, this little quote from an old revivalist preacher. He said it like this When God sees, That in this poor old world, there is a wrong that needs writing, or a truth that needs preaching, or a benefit needs inventing. When God sees there's a need in the world, he doesn't just solve the need with a snap of his fingers. He sends a baby into the world to do it. Your children are God's answer to some hurt, some need, some opportunity. And God knows firsthand because 2,000 years ago, the Lord sent his only arrow into the world. Target was the cross, and he hit a bullseye. Because of God sending his arrow, it gives us <laughs> the opportunity. eyes with me if you're here today let me just talk to parents for a moment parents and grandparents you, maybe you are, you're a teacher and you don't have kids of your own but you have kids that you're helping mold every day if you say you know what I, I gotta have the right aim would you pray for me pastor would you pray for our family pray for our direction pray for our aim we want the most important thing to be the most important thing that's you would you just raise a hand yeah yeah me too me too everybody me too father thank you that you're not mad at us thank you that you give us guidance now lord may we act upon what we've heard may may we if we've fallen short if we've aimed and we've shot now lord we know that arrows don't have a mind of their own in the physical but in this metaphorical sense we can aim all day long and they're gonna have a choice to make they're gonna have a choice they're gonna either follow the aim of the archer or they're gonna do their own thing so God before they leave the string before they leave the string we ask that you would help us aim help us focus. Help us do what only you can do through us. God, for the parents in the room that feel like they failed at the archery because of the decisions of an arrow, Lord, I pray that they would, they would lean in now, that it's never too late to at least have a conversation. God, I pray that, that wherever we are in this walk, whether we're a teenager and we're figuring this stuff out on what our parents are or are not, or we're a parent in the thick of it or a grandparent that are seeing our kids raise kids now, ultimately, may you be the center of it all. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Well, to end today, Uh, We're going to receive our offering. We're gonna practice our generosity. And I want to tell you a little story. I got an eight-page letter in the mail a couple days ago from one of the inmates at Dyball Correctional Center. And they just they wrote in that little letter that that God is changing their their life, and they said through Timber Creek at Dyball, things are changing. They said, they said that, Pastor Jeremy, I want you to know. That way beyond the service on Wednesday, those guys are talking about Timber Creek Church every day of the week. And they're like, they're getting stronger and they're changing. Like the atmosphere of the prison is changing a little bit. Now, you may work at that prison and say, (laughs) I haven't seen that. But just know that you, when you give, we're able to do those things like that. We're able to get ready to add another venue at Ball. We've got 22,000 square feet that we're going to renovate in Nacogdoches in the Northview Plaza, right next to the AMC Theater. And we've already demoed the whole thing. We're going to begin construction as soon as our plans are finalized. So God's doing some good. It doesn't happen without you being faithful to give. So it's time to practice generosity and putting God first in our finances. So I want to invite you to stand where you are, but stay where you are. If you're a guest in the house, please feel zero obligation. We don't twist anybody's arm to give. We would love for you to give your connect card. If that's your gift, give your connect card, give your prayer request card. But those of you that you you love Timber Creek and you love the mission and vision, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is a banner year. Our attendance is higher than it's ever been in the history of our church at 91 years old. Our finances are stronger than they've ever been. Uh, God has had more salvations and more water baptisms this year than ever before God is on the move cool stuff is happening This is a packed house. We had overflow in another room today Because of how many people are on campus. Whoa, that is not so crazy and it happens Because God is God, but it also happens because you give. Thank you. Let's sing this song. Let's worship God with our giving would you sing these words with Tyler and with Colby? And then I'll come back and dismiss you. Come on, guys. There's no shadow you all I love. Bouncing you all my love. Come out to me. There's no all you want, kick down, fly you want in, come out to me. There's no shadow you want. fun day. Thank you. If you were a guest in the house today, would you show your appreciation for them coming out today? So glad that you're here. If you don't have a home church, we'd invite you to come back, be a part of this series. Uh, it's okay not to be okay. Uh, we want you to be a part of our church family. Starting point next Sunday at 9.30, great place to get connected. So many cool things happening. I invite you to just not do life alone, and be a part of what God is doing here at Timber Creek. Next week, I'll give you the R, the first R in arrow. You won't want to miss that. Bring a friend, invite somebody. In the meantime, let me pray a sending prayer over you. Lord, I pray that the same way we send our children out, that these men and women, they you know what they are. They're just grown arrows, and I pray they would pierce their city, pierce their family, pierce their their jobs with the good news of Jesus Christ, not by what they say alone, but by how they treat one another, how they love one another, how they are kind to one another. I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen. See you next Sunday.